Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or if they don't. Today is August the 7th, 2013, and this is episode uh, 1181 of the Survival Podcast. And i got a good one for you today. Glenn Tate, author of the 299 Days series, is returning. I think you'll really enjoy today's interview. I think this, Glenn and I have done a lot of interviews um, because he's so involved with the Prepper movement, uh, with the release of his books, and as a long-term moderator and friend of TSP, I've, I've you know opened the door to him maybe more than I generally do to other people. Um, we've had some great interviews. I think this one, though, was one of our best. Um, as usual, when Glenn's on uh, the, the show, it's not like just a Pimpus book. Uh, we generally talk about a lot of things that have very little to do with his book directly, just with the country and the flow of itself. That's no different today. But we also do talk about some things that are going on with some great people like Oath Keepers, SOE Tactical Gear, Tactical Response, etc. Uh, with Glenn in the 299 Day Series, and I think you'll enjoy it. Before we do that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsor. Sponsor of the day number one today, WesternBotanicals.com. You know what? A lot of times, you know, things will come up where I'll have something that I want to address with, with myself health-wise. Usually it's not a problem. I'm a pretty healthy guy, but sometimes I'm like, you know, I'd maybe like to strengthen this particular thing a little bit, or maybe I'm sore from working in the garden or something, and I always turn to herbals before I turn to anything that's a conventional pharmaceutical, either over-the-counter or prescription. And when I need something and I don't have it, if I go to Western Botanicals, they do. And if I need something and I don't know what it is, I go to Western Botanicals and they help me figure it out. They're an awesome company. They've been with us a long time. They give away their premium membership to all members of the Member Support Brigade at no cost. That basically pays for your first year of MSB in and of itself, and that gives you 25% off everything that they sell if you're an MSB member. If not, they still have a great selection of stuff. If you can think of it, if it's herbal and it's uh, not illegal, they have it. I can just put it to you that way. That's how extensive their collection is. And they're real people that really do care that want to help you. If you get on the phone and call them up and ask them a question, they are going to help you out. Next up today, Backwoods Home Magazine. Backwoods Home is a magazine I started reading when I got out of the Army in 1993, and I've been a reader or subscriber ever since. And uh, working with them today is just awesome. If you want the best magazine I know of for self-reliance and self-sufficiency, growing your own food, preserving your own food, defending yourself, alternative energy, you name it, and you'd like to get that with a libertarian bent instead of a, well, you know, the other bent that you generally get out of most magazines like that. Backwoods Home is the one for you. They also have a great deal for you guys that are MSB members. So if you're going to become a subscriber to Backwoods Home, please check the uh, MSB uh, benefits section first before you do. Uh, last but not least, I want to remind you guys today about that member support brigade. If you join that, you'll help support the show at 18.3 cents an episode. You'll get a whole bunch of discounts. You'll get a bunch of great content, and uh, you uh, will find over $200 worth of free ebooks as well the day that you join. Check it out. For those of you that maybe want to join, well, what do I, how do I work all this? You go to the benefits section for all your discounts, and you go to the download section for all of the stuff that you can download. And then there's a video section with some videos in it as well. Uh, with that, I am uh, ready to get into the main topic of today's show, and I'd like to welcome back to the show Mr. Glenn Tate. Hey, Glenn, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast. Well, hey, thanks for having me, Jack. Always fun to be on. Hey, Kujan, you know, you're on to talk about your new book series. I knew it's ongoing book series, 299 Days. Um, most of the audience is pretty familiar with it, but for those who have never heard an interview with you before, could you give people the uh, the elevator version of what is the 299 Days series? You bet. It's a, it's a 10-book series, uh, prepper novel series, nothing kooky, no conspiracy theories, no racial stuff, nothing weird. Um, it's regular, normal stuff. It's about me. Um, I hate to say that, right? It's about me, but it is, and about how I figured out some stuff, how I was listening to this crazy guy doing this podcast from his Jetta back in 2008, right? And uh, that would be you, Jack. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, started thinking of some things, started taking care of business like I wasn't taking care of business. Um, being, I'll be honest with you, you know, a lot more of a man in my household. I know that's unpopular to say. I'm going to say it. it. makes me look bad in the past. Don't care. Um, nobody knows who I really am. Um, <laughs> the reason Not for, yet. That's right. The reason for that, by the way, 
uh, have a job, sort of a sensitive thing, and uh, probably not the kind of thing that it would be good for it to be out that I'm doing this kind of thing. So it's a 10-book series. Um, books 1 through 6 are out, um, and uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 are coming out in a while, and it's it's absolutely exploded. Um, I put tons of detail about me in this thing because I never thought anyone would read it on a lark. I sent it to a publisher, and after two phone calls, he said, you want a 10-book deal? And I said, you're absolutely kidding me. And it's gone bananas, tens of thousands of copies, um, tons and tons of TSP listeners. I, I know our readers. I meet them. I see them. Um, it's just amazing. They send me emails. But it's gone way beyond uh, the TSP world. But, but the book is about um, a, a partial collapse. I have this viewpoint. I live and work in the state capital. So what does that tell you, right? State capital of Washington State. And uh, I, get, I get to see things. I've seen things. My friends uh, know things. Nothing super, you know, secret. You know, there's no secret memo I can tell you about that only I have access to. And you need to believe everything I say. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. None of that. Um, just a regular guy. Um, you just have access to the clowns that are running things and what they say when the cameras aren't on them and what they really know about what they're doing themselves as far as the, the future of the country. Exactly. You know, there's a, there's a, it's now famous, I guess, and let's resonate with people have seen in, uh, I want to say book two, uh, the conference room at the governor's office and the kind of things that are said and the kind of real attitudes that are out there. This is why I write under a pen name and, uh, you know, don't let my identity out. And, uh, it would shock people. Uh, it would, you know, it doesn't though, because it's what you expect. It's sort of <laughs> validation of what you're thinking. Uh, it's like Edward Snowden when he came out with these huge bombs that were supposedly leaking security and all. And everybody's like, "Well, all we do, all we have now is confirmation." Exactly. It wasn't like there was any brand new information there. They're like, "Oh, gee, Verizon did this." Everybody knew that, but it was a guy that actually was in the seat that could say, "I saw it happen." Exactly. Exactly, and it's and people need to know it, and so that's what's and so there's a there's a collapse, there's a, a rallying um, out at a, a rural area, which is you know where my cabin is with with my guys, uh, the team. They've kind of become famous now. Everybody loves a team. People sit there and they go, "Oh, you made that up." A six foot tall Korean gunfighter who sells insurance. I'm like, you know what? I it's absolutely true. If, if I could be that creative, I really wish I could. And see, I wrote it with all this detail in it because I'm describing the guy. And then, I mean, all these other uh, amazing people in there. Uh, there's a guy, Special Forces Ted, who's based on a real guy, who uh, comes out and forms up the community, and they uh, they start working with the folks at the community, uh, start working with the good guys, and they go and uh, take care of business with some folks who need it. There needs to be a change, I'll put it that way. And uh, there is uh, in in the state, and then there's you know the the future books will talk about the rebuilding a little bit, some of the economic and political stuff. Believe me, it's not you know boring political and economic stuff. It's all about people, and and they talk about things and they describe things they've seen and done. So it's all about people, and it's one of these things where you might catch yourself after a while saying, "Oh my goodness, I just learned a ton of stuff and I didn't even know I was learning it." That was my goal and apparently from what people tell me uh the reviews uh, in particular, I'm pulling it off because <laughs> that's the reaction a lot of people have, which is great, which is what I intended, uh, but it's beyond my wildest dreams. TSP's huge part of it. Uh first interview I ever did on your show completely launched it and you're in the book because in real life um influenced me so thank you again I, I thank you every show i get on with you but i mean seriously thank you you by the way are the only person on the planet who has a book signed with my real name and that's how i feel about it that's awesome that's awesome and that book will stay private until you tell me otherwise <laughs> um i will say this it's kind of cool for me now when i get emails from people that are like i found this book by like this dude named glenn <laughs> and and, and I, I was I was reading the first book, and there was this story about this podcaster guy named Jack Spirico, and I, I thought, is that real or not? And I looked it up, and your show is real. That's, so that's that's cool to see it coming back around the other end like that. That's 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 really awesome, um, and, and I'm I'm happy to be part of it. And there's a there's a few books out there with both my signature and your signature on it. Maybe someday we'll do something like that again with a contest or something. You bet. Uh, but. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you, you've got kind of this like coalition, I guess you'd, you you would refer to it as, at least I would, going on now, and you're calling it like the Cool Friends Project. There's there's all types of people 
that have kind of gotten on board with promoting 299 days, and they're doing it just for the the sake of doing it. Um, can you talk a little bit about recently what went on between you and Stuart Rhodes of Oath Keepers, who's, who's also a great friend of mine? Yeah, no, and that's exactly right. The Cool Friends Project is funny. I used to talk about the book, and then I started saying, well, the book project. But then it started having all kinds of different areas we were going into, and I realized that I was meeting all these people. You would be an example. Um, people, I listen to the podcasts. I, I watch the YouTube channels. I, um, I, inter- I, I read the blogs and people that I followed, right? And then all of a sudden, they're calling me and asking me, you know, to be on their show or their channel. I'm like, this is this is absolutely crazy. So, and then there were people whose gear I used. SOE Tactical comes to mind. TSP Gear Shop comes to mind. People who who then are now working with me on the project. Uh, they're the, and it's the Cool Friends Project because that's what I kept calling. It. I go, well, there are these cool friends of mine. I can't even believe they're friends. And then. Take SOE Tactical, for example. They're great. You know you know all about them. Your listeners know all about them. They make the best stuff on the planet. I mean, you can't break it. And um, they start... Well, and John Willis is just a good dude, man. I mean, we haven't done a lot together recently, but when I started this show, and I had absolutely nothing going on, he was giving away hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of gear to the, you know, like, the, like the 50 people that were listening. And I actually kind of feel like the reason we don't do a lot anymore is he's like, John's the kind of guy that looks for the person when they're starting and then really gives them a lot of support and then basically says, okay, now you've, you've gotten your wings and you're flying, so I'm going to go help somebody else. <laughs> he's just that kind of guy, man. He's just awesome. Well, and I must have been, you know, one of his next projects because what he started doing was I have these nice bookmarks. They're nice and laminated. They're really cool. And, and he just asked for uh, a bunch of them and I, and he puts a he puts a bookmark in every single order. Now, if you're out there buying SOE tactical gear stuff and you get this little bookmark, it doesn't cost him anything. I mean, I supply him to him, and there's sure. weight to it. You look at this bookmark, and it talks, you know, 299 days, and it's got this collapsing dome logo, and it says 10 book prepper novel series. And you turn it over, and it's got information about how to go find out more about it. You get that bookmark, and you're going to say, "Hey, this sounds pretty interesting. I'm going to look this thing up." And who knows? We can't track it. I mean, how many, probably thousands of books uh, have been sold to SOE customers just because John was a totally decent guy and said, hey, can I put, you know, bookmarks? And, you know, Amanda, his wife, just emailed me yesterday and said, we need another thousand. Can you ship them to me? I'm like, you bet I can ship you a thousand bookmarks. I mean, so that's an example of the Cool Friends Project. Here's another one, the TSP Gear Shop. Everybody knows about them. Um, and I thought maybe some people would want like a T-shirt about this or some patches or something, but that's crazy because, you know, this this isn't going anywhere. Well, and so I get together, uh, TSP Gear Shop, um, graphic designer extraordinaire on the forum, Nicodemus, who's amazingly talented. He's done all the graphics work. He did the logo. These guys, you know, and Nicodemus, take him for example. He, he doesn't want money. He just like is doing it for cool stuff. Um, I'm ending up paying him um, just because I feel just compelled to and because he's put a lot of time into it. So now we have these amazing designs. Um, the the I Miss America t-shirt, which is a slogan from the book, which some of the characters start spray painting, I Miss America, because it says it all, Jack. I mean, I Miss yeah. America. I yeah. do Miss America. You know, let me, let me hold you right there for a second, though, because Nicodemus is a guy I've never given enough props to on air. I mean, he's the guy that created the Sentinel design. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he's he's the guy. Everything that you see come out of TSP Gear Shop, the the badass ant shirt with a with a kind of coffee theme on and all. He did all of that, uh, and we do have a royalty thing with him. And of course, you know my my statement right at the beginning with Kelly is well, the designs uh, are used to exclusively market for products like going the Gear Shop, but they're mine to do with as I please. So we uh, we took that Sentinel design, and, and then with the help of the Mint, we. Uh, we designed the rear of that with the shield and the Spartan stuff and all that. And uh, just because I think he's just such a cool dude, I sent him uh, a tube of 20 of the first uh, general run Sentinels ever minted. Wow. Um, he's an amazing guy. And he, yeah, he didn't ask for that. He's just doing this because he really understands the culture of what we're building and, and he's got that talent and he's a great designer. So I just wanted to give him the props he deserves now that you brought that up. You bet, and he's a perfect example, uh, yet another one, of the Cool Friends Project. And these are guys, and you mentioned you just sent him some silver and he didn't ask for it. Nobody involved in this this project is is asking for anything. And so, yeah, there's that. I mean, I have 
I have an ammunition sponsor, ammunitiondepot.com. I mean, I never thought I would say the sentence, I have an ammunition sponsor. What in the world? What a great country, right? I mean, there's still decency left in this country. I mean, it's still pretty cool. And so, and that's been really terrific. Now, that's all the background about the Cool Friends Project. One cool friend, a mutual friend of ours, is Stuart Rhodes. Amazing. He's a he's a hero of mine. I'm not I'm not I'm a libertarian, independent kind of guy. I don't have a lot of heroes. I'm not a fanboy of anybody. I don't worship you know people. Um, and, but Stuart Rhodes is is way up there um, on a pedestal. And I've loved his work. You know, Oath Keepers, of course. If anyone's not familiar. And you've had him on the show a bunch of times. I know you guys, you know, do a lot together. And and so anyway, I dedicate book six to him. And book six involves Special Forces Ted and some some good law enforcement guys, some some oath keeper military and law enforcement folks coming together and doing some good things. And I dedicated book six to him. I got to meet him last weekend um, at an oath keepers rally in in Idaho. And it is an interesting story about how this happened. So I, I get to meet him and I can see him and he, he, he sees me and he's like, Oh, Hey, I'll be with you in a moment. I said, that's cool. And he was talking to an active duty special operations guy who came up to him and said, I want to start an oath keepers, you know, organization in my unit. I want to get information to tell my guys about oath keepers. And so every minute he's talking to this special ops guy is another minute out of the schedule that I don't get to talk to him. And so finally, Stuart looks up at me and he kind of gave me that look like, hey, is it cool? And I said, Stuart, you need to talk to that guy more than you need to talk to me because what you're doing with that guy is what needs to be done. And that's why Oath Keepers exist. So we go and we do um, a joint radio interview um, on Radio Free Readout, which was great. And I hand him a copy of book six. And he goes, oh, this is kind of neat. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Copy of your book, you know, that's nice. And I said, why don't you read the uh, the uh, dedication? And it's dedicated to Stuart Rhodes, founder of Oath Keepers, who inspired the real life Special Forces Ted character in the book, Rich Gentry, um, a law enforcement guy who really got fired from his job because he started finding corruption in his department and started investigating it. And they fired him and tried to destroy his life. He's an Oath Keeper. He's in the book. He's a real guy. And then the real Dan Morgan, I think, Jack, you know who Dan Morgan is. Uh, I do. Yes. Uh, a real-life uh, retired Air Force, Security Forces, canine handler, um, and Oath Keeper. And I said, Stuart, you inspired each one of these three guys, and I've talked to each one of these three guys about Oath Keepers and then how it fits into the story, and, and I describe Oath Keepers in the book. And I said, so this book's dedicated to you. And he was stunned. I mean, has anybody ever walked up to you and said this book's dedicated to you and they open it up to page one and there's a dedication but it got even crazier um i said look at the back page and it said proof on it i said and a proof is a near final uh edition of a book and uh and you only make a couple of them i said Stuart, there are three proof copies of this book on the face of the earth and i want you to have one of them and he was just genuinely moved i mean it was it was cool (laughs) excuse my yeah it's good you did that. I'll tell you what, people say things like, you know, you know, who do you admire? He's one of them, and I'll tell you why. It's not just what Oath Keepers does today, but Stuart's one of those guys that had an idea, and he said, this should be, and then it was. It took a tremendous amount of work after that to make it happen, but it was one person showing, once again, that one person could just say, you know what, we're going to do this, mm-hmm. and uh, we need more of that. Mm-hmm. We need a lot more of that in America today. Well, and he's he's taken some hits. I mean, you know, it's uh, oh, gee, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you, I don't know if the listeners know about. You know, somebody tried to to send him an email that if he would have opened it up, it it had some child pornography embedded in it, which would have gotten his computer, and then that would have created problems for him. And so, and luckily, he caught it. This this email went out to several other people in the Patriot community, and that was like last week's. Uh, yep. you know, assault on the guy. And so this isn't cost-free. I mean, he is a patriot, and it's it's costing him something, and that is especially appreciated. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to him, and I got to meet him. I got, and then we were talking, and he said, uh, so what are you doing later on? There there was a rally, and I said, I don't know. And he goes, you going to speak tonight? And I go, no. And he says, why? Why not? <laughs> I, said, I said, well, no one's asked me to, you know? And he yeah. goes, you want to introduce me? And I said, hell yeah. And so I got to introduce him at the rally, and I told the story about Special Forces Ted, Rich Gentry, Dan Morgan, and how real live guys, you know, men and women, have been 
inspired by him. So it was uh, it was a nice introduction, I have to admit, because I could personalize it because it's all true. So anyway, that's another example of how this little book that I never thought anyone would read uh, because, I mean, what are the odds of getting a book published, right? Um, and and now it's in influencing all these people, and um, I just love it. I love being part of this community and being able to contribute something to this community and being able to help other folks in this community. It's an honor of a lifetime. Can you say a little bit about the publisher that said, you know what, we're going to take a chance on this because they're pretty cool folks there. Absolutely. Uh, I love it. Uh, Prepper Press, and you can tell by the name of the company what they specialize in, which is fiction and nonfiction prepper stuff, uh, started off as a, as a little entity. I started talking to them about a year and a half ago, and um, they didn't have too many titles. And I sent it to them because I thought if anyone's going to be interested, it'd be them. And, yeah, they took a big chance. I mean, you know, I had never – let me be honest. They, they don't like it when I admit this, but I'd never really written anything before. Now, I think it turned out well, and the reviews are really good, but i got to be honest. I couldn't tell them, yeah, I've done 50 other books or something like that. And they, uh, they thumbed through it, and I think they could tell that there was something – there was a unique message here because it's not – zombies and comic book stuff and they they put a lot of their own money out there um and they've been extremely fair as a business matter um completely transparent and just it's a partnership in a, in a true sense of a word so i guess you know when i think about it that's part of the cool friends project too but they um and they have grown they have tons of titles they've exploded in growth definitely I, what i like about them is they go to their author's page on their site and there's you with your face blacked out <laughs> joe nobody that's a black silhouette yeah. john elliott we can actually see him peter demaris we can see the back of his head and then our rp regurio uh we got with a with a black um uh, rectangle over him I don't think there's another publisher out there that has an author's page quite like that. <laughs> Never thought of that, but that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't until now. I just you know, whenever I bring somebody up, I always pull their website. Uh, so when I talk about them, I sound intelligent, and I hit the author's page, and there you are at the top. Uh, looks like you're in some uh, some wilderness rescue or fire rescue gear or something like that with uh, with a uh, big old black. Uh, uh, rectangle, and I just noticed, you know, there's Joe and nobody silhouette right below you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it, what does it say when when all your authors have to hide their faces? It must mean that you know it's a message that you might you might consider listening to. Yeah, people ask me why I left corporate America, and it's because I wanted to, but I'm sure by now I would have anyway. Um, yeah. As public as I've been, it would have been like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the I Miss America thing. I mean, that has really resonated with people. Did, did is that something uh, Nicodemus just came up with, or did you collaborate on that? Where what is the genesis of that? Yeah, it's a it, it's a phrase that I put in the book because um, I wanted to describe because there's a lot of hidden meaning in in parts of the book and. This is a how-to manual about how to change things, and, and one of the aspects of that is civil affairs, or I hate this word because it's, it, it's misunderstood, but propaganda. But it is getting your side's message out in understandable ways. And I thought, what would the patriots be spray-painting on government buildings, right? <laughs> yeah, that's against the law, and yeah, I said that, but whatever. They would be spray-painting different messages. And in the book, uh, one of the chapters, it talks about the bad guys are looking at all the, the pictures of all the different graffiti, and they're they're saying, well, this is effective for the other side, for the good guys, and this is not effective, and here's why. So it's a mini mini lesson. I'm in the political business, and so I, I know a lot about messages and what resonates and why and all that. So the message that, that the good guys used that the bad guys were really afraid of was, I miss America, because it simultaneously says the two most important things, at least in my mind. Number one... America used to be good, so there's something to miss. Now, not, not perfect, don't get me wrong, but America used to be better. Let me put it that way. And then the second part is I miss it, and it's changed. It's become bad, and I want it back in large part the way it used to be. There's something out there that we can say this is the goal. We want it back the way it was, and we don't like it the way it is. And so I put it in the book and and then there's uh, several storylines where people go out and they're doing the graffiti. Some of them are in danger when they do it. And um, so it became this thing. Well, um, I'm talking to Nicodemus, and he said, I can see in my mind that thing spray painted on a wall. And he said, let me put some stuff together. 
and he put it together, and, and it's this T-shirt that is, it's a stencil. It looks like a stencil of I Miss America. Um, and by the way, you never know when a product might be coming out that might be a stencil that says I Miss America, so people hmm. can uh, vandalize government buildings in their own area. Uh, Enabling you know. vandalism since 2013. <laughs> Just, hey, Alex Jones does it. I mean... <laughs> So it became this thing, and it has resonated. I mean, people um, people don't even buy the book, see the T-shirt, and, and they go and they get the T-shirt. I, when I wear that T-shirt, like at the Oath Keepers rally, I had people coming up to me asking me for TSP Gear Shop business cards. To, that's where you can get it, uh, to, to get it, because it simultaneously says everything. So that's a little teeny nugget of, of what's in these books. That That's that's just awesome, man. Um what do you, I mean, I think what we should talk about a little bit is you said, like, the book's really about you, and it is, and, but then there's a point where it's not really anymore, because we go from where we are to where we're going, right? So yeah, there's this yeah. point where we, we, we bifurcate, I guess, is the way to look at it, where, but that, that first book, and a lot of the second book, when you say it's about you, it really is about you. I mean, in some ways, especially the first book, is very autobiographical, correct? Absolutely. I mean, here's an example of what I'm talking about. Um, I, uh, I went hunting with a, a guy who's in the political business, and I mentioned that, uh, you know, oh, yeah, this uh, rifle's light because I was born without pectoral muscles on the left side of my arm. It doesn't matter in any way, but it's just kind of hard to hold things up. And he goes, okay, he tucks that away. A couple years later, because he's a prepper, He's reading this book, and there's this character talking about how he was born without a left pectoral muscle, and he said, geez, I don't know who this is. And so there's tons of detail in there. Um, I I lay out, I'm a citizen of an Indian tribe. I name my tribe in there. Um, All kinds of stuff in there. And again, Jack, I never thought anyone would read this stuff, right? So I put it in there. And, And I'm not that creative, so I couldn't make stuff up, so I put in real stuff, which people find way more interesting than fake stuff. And yeah. So yeah. It really, it really is about my background, why I'm the way I am, how I was a suburban slug, how I got out of that, um, what I did to change things around, um, resistance from from my wife, which by the way, in real life, has subsided and things are very cool. I get that question a lot, and I'm happy to report it's all good news. But um, all that kind of stuff. So book one is and when I say autobiographical, you know what? I, I'm a guy, right? I don't want to read a book about people's feelings. I'm not going to read somebody's diary. I mean, I'm not into that. But it isn't like that. It ends up being a lot about me. But it's not, you know, dear diary, here are my feelings today. It's not like that. Um, but it is it is pretty personal stuff, as you know, and um, stuff that, quite honestly, if I could change it, I probably wouldn't have put all that detail in there. But doggone it, it needs, it Done needs now. to get out there. It needs to get out there. And it, if it gets people hooked into thinking about things in a new way um, and thinking about what they need to do for what's coming, and it saves some lives. Not trying to sound corny, but I honestly believe that's the case. If it saves some lives, what a tremendous honor. And besides, nobody knows who I am. So it's like you talk to a bartender, right, and you tell your bartender all your problems, and the bartender doesn't know who you are. You know, you got a little anonymity. You can kind of open up a little bit. Sure. They're sure, yeah. I think what's cool is you have had some people go, Hey, dude, it's you. <laughs> Even some people, let's say, uh, with some governmental connection stuff, say, hey, I know who you are. Yeah. Um, in yeah. fact, I've recently heard from one of them about something that I, I won't bring up on the air. That's not directly related to you, but they gave me you as a reference. Um, and yet, like, they're all cool. Nobody's, like, sounding the alarm going, I'll tell you who he really is. I mean, people have been... I guess people that would know enough about you to know who you are were trusted enough in the first place to not have to really worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I assume the the government knows who I am, um, and, and I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, I'd rather just be anonymous, but I don't lose sleep at night. Um, I haven't committed any crimes. And uh, I one of the points of the book, the big point of the book towards the middle and the end is, the bad guys don't have the resources to do all the bad stuff that they want to do because they don't have the the personnel, they don't have the spare parts, they don't have the fuel, they don't have the support of the general population to do what they want to do. So, yeah, they want to do bad stuff, but they can't pull it off. Again, Oath Keepers is a, is a big part of why they can't pull it off. So 
I don't lose sleep. I'm not paranoid. The other thing that when it comes to the you know the government knowing about me, and nothing in this book is like overthrow the government. Because here's the thing. I want to be super clear about this, and I know this, this applies to you. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I do not advocate the violent overthrow of the United States government because I don't need to, because the thing's going to fall down on its own. I'm not <laughs> going to lift a finger. I'm not going to help it. I'm not going to hinder it. I'm going to sit back and watch and take care of my family. So I don't have to advocate anything, and I do not like violence. You read about that in the book. I I believe in self-defense, and I I know a lot of stuff, and I, I prepare and all that other stuff. I do not want a single person to ever get hurt in any of this. I just know that it's going to happen, and a lot of people are going to get hurt. I don't like it. I'm ready for it. So that's why the government... If I didn't know it was impossible... Because of the time I finished today and started the interview with you today, I would have accused you of listening to today's show, which to everybody else is yesterday's show. Okay. But I just want to say, people that heard yesterday's show, um, Glenn couldn't possibly have listened to at most five minutes of it by the time I got it up and called him. So I did not listen to it. So. You almost sound like you're doing yesterday's show uh, <laughs> on some levels, which is pretty cool. Well, so when I said I think I'm speaking for you, I guess I was right. <laughs> yes. yes, you're definitely correct uh, on that one anyway. You're definitely, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody with a brain is advocating the overflow, o- overthrow of the government, but I think anybody with a, with a working brain that's not got their head buried you know, up to, the sand, up to their ass in the sand looks around and goes, sooner or later, this is all going to just fall apart. Now, I think that's a big part of your insight into this, that the people that are actually doing this, that are saying, no, oh, it's fine, nothing to see here, they say that behind closed doors all the time. They're like, yeah, this is going to blow up someday. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a, a, a very high-ranking guy in my state, um, and of course, I'm not going to describe who he is. I, I'll tell you off the air if you're interested, but um, he said to me, this is completely unsustainable. And he's he's a prepper, and he showed me his stuff, and I thought I was squared away. Holy smokes! I mean, he makes me look like you know the the guy who runs into Walmart when there's a hurricane or something like that. Um, and so, and that told me a lot. That told me a whole lot. And um, they know um, they powers that be um, know that something's coming up. There's going to be civil unrest. There's going to be instability. I don't think they know, or anybody knows, the exact way it unfolds and the depths of it and the severity of it. Um, but, yeah, they, they know something's coming. I mean, look at things, and uh, data out there, and don't believe me and don't believe Jack Spirko and don't believe anybody. Look at data, the amount of money that's coming out of banks in various countries and going to other countries, really rich people cashing stuff out, really rich people buying gold and silver and everything. Um, it, there's there's demonstrable proof that, that people are at least worried about this. And it filters down, I think, to the political and governmental level. I don't mean to imply that everybody in government is secretly living in a bunker. Some of them, you know, have their heads up their ass and they don't know what's going on. And, and there's there's that too. The higher up you go, the more appreciation there is that something bad's going to happen. Really, I think, relatively soon. I don't know times. Never do. Anyone that comes on your show and and can lay out a timetable, I'm a little skeptical of. I got to be. Well, they're going to get called a bullshitter right on the air. So, <laughs> I mean, nobody's been dumb enough to do that yet. It it might happen someday. And <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I think most of the people that I do have on the air, at least I try to do this, are people like yourself that are in some way part of the community. Um, I recently got an email from somebody that so-and-so would be a great guest, and I emailed him and told him about your show and told him about your guest for him, and he responded with, you know, I don't solicit my own appearances, and if he'd like to tell me why I should be on it, I'm like, tell him to shut up his ass. (laughs) I I don't have time. I get people booked out for three and four months at a time, and I do my damnedest to try not to solicit guests because, honestly, when I've done it, They've never been the good interviews. The good interviews are the guys like, yeah, I've been listening to your show for like two years. I don't know if I really have anything to say or not. Like, fill it out, dude. If you have a cool story, we'll tell it. And and the more part of our community that a guest is, the better the interview goes, the better it is for the audience, the better it is for the guest. All of it just works better. I mean, of course, in the beginning, you can only do so much of that because you, you haven't built the community yet. But as that's been built... Um, and, and I see you doing this with you know your circle of friends as well, is if you want access to what I've built and the people that trust me, then i got to trust you. And, and I don't let people on there just to pimp their shit because 
that doesn't do you know that doesn't do anything for anybody and i think that's why you're experiencing success i'm experiencing success and frankly people like oath keepers soe tactical gear get helly with the gear shop and 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 the survival gear bags all of those businesses run that way and i don't think anybody sat down one day and said you know i don't think john willis sat down and went you know i'm going to build a business and this is just the way i'm going to i'm going to run it i think it's more like that's who we are so that's how it happens. It's just natural. And that's why it's, it's, it's all of these companies work with each other at one time or another, or all these organizations, and no one like shoves them together. No one goes out and goes, you got to talk to so-and-so. It just happens. And it, it's, 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 it would be weird if I didn't completely understand why it happens. <sighs> exactly, exactly. And it's just happening. And I don't know, have you noticed this? I certainly have. The, the pace of things, the, the number of connections, the amount of cool things that are going on, I, the, the tempo is increasing. Have you noticed this, or is it just me? Yes. I mean, no, on I've steroids, definitely noticed. On yeah. steroids. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think I think it's all for a reason, and I think we're all getting together. We're getting the word out to more and more people, and I think that's on purpose, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, well, I think that in some ways we're we're all here at the right time for ourselves, but hopefully we're also here at the right time for others because I, I really believe that people are going to need this stuff. Um, I think it's the only hope we honestly have of uh, of it not being a complete and total bloodbath, honestly, uh, is that there are enough people prepared. What I said yesterday in the show you didn't hear uh, was that we need to start rebuilding before the collapse. Yep. Everybody always talks about the rebuilding after the collapse, and I'm like, we need to be putting in the the footers of the new buildings now, before the old buildings crumble, so we have something to build on. And I think to a large degree, that's what a lot of us are doing, and that's why it's bigger than beans, bullets, and band aids. That's why it's community uh, building. That's why it's feeding each other. That's why it's it's all of these things combined. That's why I have people on, you know, like yourself that are authors. I have people on like Joe Nobody that are they're tactical people, and I have people on to tell you how to freaking put in a beehive. Yeah. Because yep. it's, it's it's all of that has to get together, and it, you know you can store food, but you can only store so much. And, and in the end, I think a lot of us that are prepared are going to have to realize that it's going to come down to the point where people are like, I'm going to keep all of what I have, and it's not going to work. That asset that you've you've put up is going to be part of, of your leverage in being part of the solution, and, and we're going to have to feed each other. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. that's what it comes down to. And that's one of yeah. the huge things in this series. Uh, books three and four are largely devoted to, and that's community. And I describe how to build up a community, and not and not some perfect thing where everybody and it's not North Idaho where everybody's a prepper or anything like that. It's like a regular, normal American community, rural, um, where there are some some patriots, some loyalists, and tons and tons of undecideds. Right? How does this character go about? showing up with this team of extremely well-armed and trained tactical guys and not freak everybody out? And that's a serious question that, I mean, preppers need to think about. You show up at the first community meeting with uh, body armor, and everybody in there is going to think you're a threat. But you show up in Mossy Oak with a with an 870 Wingmaster, and you, you look like a duck hunter, and you talk like a duck hunter, you're, you're going to do way better because that's not threatening to people, and it's you know it's the way you do. So that there's community. Here's a, a personal subtopic of what you're talking about about the footings for rebuilding. Now, it's alluded to in the first chapter of the book, and it's described a lot in the last book, uh, book, uh, book nine, and it'll be in book ten. And that is reconciliation. And I don't think it's too early to start having this conversation. There's going to be a, a big fight of some kind. There's going to be patriots and there's going to be loyalists. And we have two choices in this country. We can go down the American Revolution path or the French Revolution path, and you do not want the French Revolution path. The American Revolution, to a large extent, after the war, the patriots and the loyalists tried to get along. There was reconciliation. There were still hard feelings. But what there was not was decades of blood feuds and revenge killings. There was very, very little of it, surprisingly little. Contrast the French Revolution, they had, that country still screwed up <laughs> in large part because it's uh, the stuff that happened, you know, 230 years ago. I mean, when you go and you say, oh, I remember that, you know, you were a loyalist and the Patriot side won, so I'm going to kill your family. Uh, no, that's not, that's not the approach. Now, there's going to need to be, you know, a criminal justice system. There's going to need to be accountability. There will be people like um, Selco and, and Fairfall always talk about 
you know, when there are people that behave poorly during a crisis, when the crisis is over, their neighbors will remember it. There will be plenty of that. That's human nature. I'm just that's going to happen. Exactly. Uh, and I, it, yeah, that that's going to happen. And I mean, there's times where I've seen stuff like that happen where the person really didn't do anything, but they were associated with. So a perfect example of that is my friend Val from the former Soviet Union, who was a member of the KGB. And where he lived anyway, in the time that he was there as an operative, because they deployed their people right amongst their own, which, of course, we say we don't do, but you know, we'll see. Um, but when the whole thing fell apart, it became known who everybody was. And he's like, I had two choices. I could have joined the mafia or I could have left. So I left. Good for him. Because no one else would have him. You know, and that's not even a guy that did anything to you. Just like guilt by association. He probably did some things, but you know, you know what I mean. I mean, it wasn't like his neighbor was like, "Oh, he came over here and stole my food or killed my kids or anything." It was just like, "Oh, you're one of them. You got to go." Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that kind of stuff's going to happen at that level, and I think, like you're saying, far worse. Yep. And that's one of the reasons, if I can get a little bit heavy, um, I hope that's okay. I mean, I am heavy G on the forum, so I guess I can get heavy, right? But um, I think that one of the reasons, this, uh, probably the main reason this book has been so successful and it's getting out to so many people is, I think, and I'll say it, I think God wants the message out to, not, to planting the seed now to people. Don't go out and do revenge things. Don't, uh, don't be the French Revolution. There needs to be reconciliation and rebuilding, and we have to get along with each other going forward. So whatever happens, happens, but let's let's not make mistakes that a lot of people in history have made, and let's be decent human beings, and let's, let's get through this together and do some reconciliation. So I try not to get heavy and all that other stuff, but it needs to be said because it's why I think this has been so successful. There's no other explanation. It's not like I've written 100,000 novels before and this is like expected. Um, I didn't yeah. expect it. When, when, um, when, when this all happens, what I said on yesterday's show was that it may very well come to a point where to hold things together and to, to start a, a rebuilding process that individuals will have to form governments, not just communities. The, the, the townships will have to say, okay, well, we're on our own. So we're going to figure out who's going to be basically our chief of police. We're going to figure out how we're going to, okay, this guy got caught, you know, looting. What do we do with him? Do we just put him against the wall and shoot him? Or is there a punishment for that? Is there a rehabilitation? How do we make sure that this guy really is guilty? And that I think that people will have to set up some things like that, especially in some areas that I think that, you know, the, the powers that be will just go, we can't afford to deal with those people right now. They're on their own. What are your thoughts on that? You've just described books three, four, and five exactly perfectly well because that's what happens out at the, the community. There is a, a small community, about 500 people, um, that have to create their own governmental system, and they only do the things that need to be done. They don't do goofy stuff like have the EPA tell you what kind of light bulbs you can have. You know what I mean? They don't do dumb stuff. There is a criminal justice system. There's a raid on a meth house, and there's some bad guys that are caught. And then there is a there's a trial. And and in describing how the trial goes, um, I'll be honest with you, it's a manual for how to form a community. And I don't feel really comfortable saying that because that sounds extremely arrogant. But I'm telling you, it's a manual. It tells you how to form a community, how to get people to work together, how to have a, a justice system, and it doesn't go into a... Well, you are an attorney. I mean, well, it's yeah. not like you're, you're pulling this out of your ass. You do have a <laughs> fundamental understanding of, of law and the common law that is the basis of all law. Exactly. Right. And it, it was it was surprisingly easy for me to describe how to do this. And it's all described in the story of the trial, so it's not like a, a, like a true manual. I mean, as I say, you, you, you don't even know you're learning until you've learned it. By the way, in the uh, in the part about the meth house, there's a discussion that I stole straight from you, and I gave you credit in, in the book about you know 10% of people are dirtbags if they can get away with it, but when there's law and order, they can't. There's you know 2%. I hope I got the numbers right. Uh, 2% of people who are yeah they're they're going to be criminals, and if and if they're in jail or they're dead, they're not gonna, but they're going to do it anyway. And then there's 1%. They don't even think about it. They're just complete just complete monsters and they just love hurting people and stealing stuff and they there's absolutely nothing that can be done. So anyway, I, I, 
I talk about that. So that's the the justice system, and then um, you know the governmental services. How do you how do you feed people and but make them work at the same time? How do you how do you jointly garden and do agriculture? How do you have a community medical system without really too many medical supplies and and no Obamacare, right? No, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, how do you pay for it? You, you know, let me let me hold there because okay, this is why people like you, know, Jack. You're supposed to be a survivalist. You're in all this permaculture stuff and all, and and you know how is this related? And like, because we already know how this works if we look at the work in the third world being done with permaculture and what it takes to get buy-in. So what I mean by that, for instance, this is this guy John D. Liu. I think it's John D. Liu. No, that's a different guy. I can't think. That's the guy in China. This guy's in Africa in Niger. And the way that he even got known by the mainstream was all these NASA scientists are looking at all the satellite imagery, and all of Africa is becoming more and more brown from desert encroachment and, 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 and all the damage done to the environment. And then there's this belt in Niger, and it's just getting greener and greener and greener. And they're like, well, what the hell's going on? This doesn't fit you know, the global warming model, for one thing, but um, something's obviously up here. So they go in to figure out what this guy's doing, and they find this relief worker. It's one guy. They started figuring out that all these trees that the great goats have been grazing on, some of them have root systems that are 150 years old. And they've been just beaten. The, the hell's been beat at them for so long. But if you stop grazing them and take a, a $2 pocket knife and cut all but one shoot off them and let that shoot coppice back, then it'll grow into a really big tree really fast. And these are trees that can be fed to the goats. So stop taking the goats to the tree bring the tree of the goats, and they get and they start doing this, and they start re-greening the desert without actually planting anything. $2 pocket knives. Wow. So now, that's powerful, but what's the biggest obstacle, and what, what did he have to overcome? He had to get buy-in from all of these goat herders. If I leave that tree there to grow, somebody else won't come graze it before we get to utilize the resource. Yep. And if you don't have that stability in place, you cannot get cooperation from people. So when you talk about that, that just says to me, okay, look, see, if we'll just look at where this stuff's already happened or is happening now, that template, that blueprint is there. And that's that's an example, like, there's no way you could have known that when you were discussing that, but you end up in the same place. Exactly. And I just... I look at how things have worked well in the past and, and worked well in other parts of the world, and there aren't many examples of where it's worked well in other parts of the world. You have one, and that's good. By the way, when when satellites show that you're doing something right, you're really doing something right, right? <laughs> and, and, and I just looked at, at what works and, and how things, I think, used to be and, 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 and worked well. And, and I know people. I mean, here's the thing. Um, a long time ago, a couple episodes ago, I was on, and I said, you know, uh, I Willie Nelson quote, you know, if you don't make a record if you ain't got nothing to say, right? And yeah. I'm in my mid-40s, and I only have enough life experience now to be able to describe things that I've learned about people and how they react and how they do things and how government doesn't work and all these other things. So now I have something to say. And so that's where I describe the things. You know, there's a there's a little library system, all voluntary, a little postal system, all voluntary, there's a battery bank. One of the characters um, who is on some psychotropic meds and then they're discontinued because she can't get them, she starts to do some bad things and doesn't do bad things, and so she's kind of recovering. And she and it's, it's hard. And I mean, you know, it, you feel sorry for her because it's a terrible thing. And as you know, with disruptions of medications, there's going to be millions of people that I think are going to die, unfortunately, because of that. But anyway, so she has a new mission in life, and it's a battery bank. And she goes around and finds AA, AAA, CR2032s, all these different batteries, and 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 kind of lets people trade stuff if they need this. They get the, you know what I mean? And it's all yeah. voluntary. There's no force of any kind involved in this, and it just makes sense. And here's the political message. Once you've established that your side is making stuff work and it's all voluntary, then the political message is, hey, undecideds. Check out the Patriot Way. The Patriot Way works. We don't have to point guns at people. We don't have to threaten them. We don't even have to make speeches about the Federalist Papers to try to persuade people. Hey, if you need batteries, we've got some. Here you go. How can we help? It was great working with you. Come on by. We're going to have a meeting and talk about community stuff. That's how you do it. You lead by example, and you don't do it with theory. And that 
is is what three, four, and five are about. So you've you've hit everything in those three books, and this is amazing. It's like we talked before, but we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did not plan this. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. And um, I, I do think that that's something that people really need to be thinking about is creating stability amid chaos. Um, there is this group of us, and I, I won't say there's somebody else. They are us, but they think that they're just going to, you know, throw down the gauntlet and sit on their shit and shoot anybody that comes to get it. And, you know, that plan might work for a week or three. Uh, it won't work long term. We all have finite space and time limitations, and sooner or later you have to sleep. And uh, I think that what I like about your book is there's action in it, or your books, I should say, there's action in it, there's conflict in it, there's reality in it, there's blood in it. Um, but it's not this fanciful bullshit. And that's the only word I can use to describe it where, you know, some guy is going to you know, get a shotgun and a few boxes of shells and, and held off the zombies for 20 years. It, it's just, you know, that, that, that's fun to watch, but it's not real. Yep, and, and it doesn't work, and that's the thing. And believe me, if, if that stuff worked, if I really thought it would work, I would have written about it, and I would want the message to get out about it because, you know, hey, this is great, it works, and it, it just absolutely doesn't. You know, you're out there on your own, you cut your hand, uh, you, it gets infected, that kind of stuff. Um, you're going to need, you know, I don't know how much food you've stored up, but you're going to need fresh food. You're going to need some spices. You're going to need something. And, you know, human beings need human beings. It's how we're wired. And if you think that you can do this by yourself, um, there's going to be a lot of people come springtime who are discovered or maybe never discovered that just are are dead out in some national park somewhere. And then them and their AR-15, their their you know three thousand dollar AR-15, um, and their expensive tactical gear, and they're just going to be you know they're going to frozen to a tree, frozen or to eaten, a tree. Eaten, eaten eaten by a grizzly bear that's coming out of hibernation. It's like gee, look at that frozen meat over there. I get, you know, it's it's nicely prepared, pre- preserved for me. I, I I really think that a lot of people that have that run off in the wilderness philosophy, I'm not going to say that there's no one that can do it because there are guys that can do it. But a lot of people that have that philosophy have never spent a night in the wilderness, let alone a, a, a winter. Yep, and nothing nothing is better than sleeping on the ground once and to make you realize, <laughs> especially at my age. You know, when I was 19, it was a piece of cake. Um, but you know now. Yeah, it's it's not all it's cracked up to be. And you know what? We have civilization for a reason because it's a way better setup, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is a better option. Um, you know, I think sometimes people think that folks like you and me are overly optimistic, and I don't think we are, are at all. We're both op- we're like optimistic pessimists. That's that's what I call myself. But people ask, why do you believe there would be a rebuilding? I'm like, because they took a whole bunch of prisoners one time and threw them on an island, and they came back a hundred years later and it was Australia. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's what we do. We're we're hardwired that way. You you know, if we are in a place where there's no doctor, then we say, well, who here knows the most about how to fix shit? Okay, you're now the doctor, but I don't, you know, shut up. You're you're the freaking doctor. You well, I went to nursing school for a month. You're you're the freaking doctor, right? And then we find somebody that does it better, fine. But until then, that's what you're doing. Um, and we just do that, you know, who's going to teach the kids, you know, this guy tells good stories, okay, fine, I don't have any experiences, I don't care, you tell good stories, you know shit, we'll tell you what you know, you turn it into a story and you teach those kids, and that's just how society comes together, when the need arises, people fill the role that they're best suited for. You know, I'm glad you bring that, because that's another thing, a kind of semi-hidden thing in the book, but I want to amplify and that is, I think every single human being has an important role. Now, that being said, there are tons of dirtbags, and, and you read about them in the book, you know, the guys who go to the convenience store and buy the Doritos with the EBT cards and sit on the couch and play video games. They don't do so well. So I'm not saying everybody is wonderful and sunshine and lollipops. So but the decent people who are trying, everyone has a role. And you'll see at the very end of the book sort of a recap of all these people that a lot of them, were the ones who were kind of the so-called losers, and you thought, well, what could they possibly do? Uh, an example is the character Paul. He's this overweight guy. He's really bitter. He he, you know, went through a terrible divorce. He's based on a real guy, a friend of mine, and he thinks, well, I can't do anything. Well, he he works in a metal shop. Well, guess what? They need a gate at the at the entrance to the community. He makes a gate. Well, he's a he's a fisherman. He knows the tides in the area because this all takes place on the water, and so he starts doing some boat stuff. He's basically, you know, the beach patrol and doing that kind of stuff. I won't describe what happens to him, but he's a guy and he 
he loses a bunch of weight. He starts to become more and more confident. He gets, you know, tan, and he's really enjoying the fact that, doggone it, he's got something to add to this whole thing. There's another character, and this is very personal, but I'm going to, you know, lay it out there. My, my son, Cole, who in real life has autism. You think, well, what could he possibly do? You know, that, well, you'll find out exactly. Uh, and in fact, of all the people in the book, the guy who comes out, the most unscathed uh, is is the kid, you know, with autism. And there's a reason for that that I that I describe in the book. But I mean, everybody has an important role. And the second you start thinking, oh, this person's a loser. This person doesn't have skills. This person doesn't have a ton of guns. This person is of no use whatsoever. That's a huge mistake. Now you may find out from their track records that some people are useless, and and you deal with them. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we have you have Jack Spirico's theory of useless and scum. I mean, and and the numbers pretty well do get bared out. Um, but I also think there's like this tremendous group of Americans that, in this case, if they don't die in a couple the first three weeks of it, will rise to that occasion. Most people that are seemingly useless in society today are useless because they don't know what to do anymore. They, they've been told for so long how they're supposed to behave and what they're supposed to do. They just do whatever they're told. Um, let them not eat for a while. And, and it'll separate the men from the boys and, and, and the scumbags from the decent people really, really fast. And I think, and, uh, pardon me. I, I think there's a lot of people that you'll, you'll look at and go, well, that person's you know useless. And then you'll find out that that person might be a savant with some skill we need. Didn't even know they could do it. I mean that that happens too. I've I've seen guys that what do you know about being a mechanic? Nothing. You say, well, let me show you how to change oil, and five minutes later, that guy knows more about cars than you do. Photographic memory, and it just makes sense to him, and he can repeat it. You know, yeah. you you mentioned uh, men, you know, or boys becoming men. I think that American culture has really um, put its sights on and has sort of beaten down manliness. And I don't mean, I'm not talking ridiculous, crazy, you know, Conan the Barbarian manliness. I'm talking about men being normal, decent men like they're supposed to be. And and I think that a lot of men have become feminized and to, to differing degrees, obviously. And that when there isn't this society out there telling them that they need to wear, you know, skinny jeans and carry a, quote, satchel, which is really a purse. Come on, guys. It's a purse. It's not a satchel. Uh, I live in Seattle, by the way. I live in Seattle, and I won't even tell you. I mean, the organized the, the yeah. males in this part of the country, it would blow your mind. And so a lot of these guys who have been this way because they think that's what they're supposed to do, they think it makes women happy if, if they're very feminized. Guess what? Uh, it doesn't. And then when all the societal stuff stripped away, and there are no more skinny jeans, and there are no more satchels, a lot of these feminized men are going to become, I think, normal men again. And I think it's going to be good for for all of them. I think it's going to be good for society. And by the way, there there are different pressures, but there are similar pressures on women. Um, women are told to be certain ways by society that I think is not, you know, typically how many of them would like to be. When that's stripped away, they can be more like they really want to be, and I think you're going to have people being more natural and true to themselves, and not only is it good for people, it's good for society. And I write about this, and you don't even know I'm saying this until you start to see all the examples of it, and then you say, oh, my goodness, now I see what he's talking about. So as we get here toward the end of an hour, once again, man, um, book six is out. So you can get your first, the people can, if they've not read any of them, can get the first six books at this point. And uh, book seven's on the way. That's right. Yeah, you know, I'm taking a little bit of time off for summer. Um, we are we are spiffing up these books. You lazy ass. I know. I know. I know. What's wrong <laughs> with me? I have this this demanding day job, and then I you know do this and and all this book stuff. Um, and there are more and more people looking at these books. Um, by the way, I'm so proud to say this, another sentence I never thought I'd say. In early June, I haven't kept track of it recently. In early June, 299 Days was beating Tom Clancy on Amazon. I'm going to say that again, beating Tom Clancy on Amazon. So this thing is really big. And so that means there's tons of eyes on it. And Prepper Press and me both have some pride in our names, and we want things to be immaculate and just fantastic. So we're putting more and more time into each one of these things. So it'll be a while, as I say that to say this, it'll be a while before Book 7 comes out. There's going to be some new chapters to Book 7. Um, some new things came to me that are going to fit in just superbly well and are going to add to this. So I don't know, fall sometime. I'm not putting any 
any deadlines on stuff just because um, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. And uh, if people want to buy your books, is there a best way they can do that? Or Yeah, Amazon. Amazon's good. Um, you can always go to 299days.com and you can find all the ordering stuff. We can do bulk things too. Uh, you can always, you know, if you don't want to order through Amazon or something, you can walk into a bookstore and they can order it for you um you can get it at tsp gear shop add it to your your t-shirt and patch and and tool order there you go there get you it go. get a package get a yeah do it yeah yeah and uh i mean i i think one of the greatest things people can probably do for you though right now to help you if they buy it on amazon or not because you you can review products you've bought elsewhere on amazon is to give you a review there absolutely yeah. it's so huge so, so i had no I, idea First of all, I didn't know how the publishing world worked. I didn't know Amazon's algorithms. I didn't know any of this stuff. I was stunned to find out how much you can help a book by simply giving it a review because Amazon keeps track of how many reviews, how many good reviews. And then when people buy similar books, if you've got a lot of reviews and a lot of good reviews, the Amazon computer gives that one as the suggestion. And a lot of people that have bought other things, um, they see, you know, you might also be interested in 299 days, and they click on it and they go, wow, this looks pretty interesting. And so that's been been huge. Um, I, I have not kept track of the numbers. Book One probably has 250 reviews, which is just mind-blowing. I mean, that, that shows a really, really dedicated uh, readership. Um, and so please, if you've bought the books or from Amazon or even if you haven't, please give some reviews because you're going to do more to get the word out by doing a review than, than virtually anything else. I mean, you can, you know, talk to your friends and that kind of stuff, but um, it, the reviews are huge. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, absolutely, folks. If you want to help Glenn and you like his book, man, get on over to Amazon and, and review it. And remember, it's a series, so, you know, leave a review for each book, not just one review for the whole series. Um, that, that really helps an author who's uh, busted his ass to uh, bring awareness to prepping and to be, you know, to be very thankful to you, Glenn, to to what we're doing here at TSP. I mean, we're very featured, at least in the first book. Oh yeah, no, it's it's the right thing to do. Again, I wrote, hell, I'm on the cover of the first book. I know you have a quote, <laughs> and I'll tell you something. A quote from Jack Spierko on the cover of a book saying this is a good book. You might want to look into it. Is is a big doggone deal. Apparently, people listen to what you have to say. So, <laughs> well, at least the crazy ones do. Apparently, that's what I'm told sometimes. I've got all the crazies, and I, I don't think we do. I think we have the uh, the people who are waking up from crazy to reality. And uh, I appreciate you being part of that. Well, thank you. You got me started. Thank you, man. All right, folks. And with that, uh, I want to re- again encourage you. Maybe get on by Amazon, pick up a copy of Glenn's books if you haven't already done so. Definitely leave him some reviews. Get on over to 299days.com. Uh, Glenn has a lot of stuff there beyond just you know, hey, I have a book and here's what it's about. Uh, a lot of updates on stuff like we've talked today. Glenn, I'm sure they'll still be coming in the future. You'll continue to update things there for us. Oh, you bet. Yeah, I love it. It's great. It's a great way to get word out about stuff. I have all kinds of awesome readers they send in pictures of stuff of the book of the patches of themselves that they're little kids reading the books i mean it's it's heartwarming absolutely heartwarming it's a community and i'll have links to that the facebook stuff all of that good stuff uh, uh for glenn to uh in the show notes today and uh with that this has been jack spirica today along with glenn tate helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Someday we'll
body of 